Welcome to the Andy Noise Experience, a podcast, endurance, noise, and random musings. It is Friday, December 11, 2020, the day before tomorrow's uh, 24-hour race. Desert Solstice in Arizona. Zach Bitter's going to be going for, I bet, at least the American record and maybe go beyond. So it should be interesting to follow along. I'm sure that Aravipo will have it live on the Internet, and I'm sure Mike Melton will do an excellent job with the timing, as always. Um, it's interesting that, you know, it's coming in the winter time and COVID is just going through the roof. And sadly, it's starting to hit up on people I know. I got a guy I hike with quite a bit over the past few years. Uh, went on a hike, which might not have been the best thing with a group, and got COVID middle of this past middle of November. And by Thanksgiving, he was in ICU and he's on a ventilator. And I really hope he recovers. And then uh, another friend of mine, somebody I know, who's a teacher here at one of the local colleges, her, um, her one of her colleagues just passed away. So the thing is out there; it's really real. So you know, please, you know, social distance. You know, and just try and stay as healthy as you can. In fact, James Shamlin on Twitter said, reach out to people and keep in touch. It's more important now than ever. Instead of social distancing, it really should be called physical distancing. It wouldn't be a far, it would be a far more accurate director for millions of people to ignore. And um, that's definitely true. I found, and I've talked to some of my friends, you know, most of them are far apart. And it is like, you just realize everybody's just kind of drifting off um, on their own. I mean, I'm lucky. I've got um, Blanca the Weasel, who I walk with almost every morning. I've got my three sons here, and my son's taking care of, my oldest son taking care of Abuela, who's in her 80s. You know, it's kind of a family unit, kind of in the tradition of the European model. And so we're all together, and our lives haven't changed that much. But then I have friends who are single, live alone, and it definitely has got to be difficult for them. And I get it. I'm not big social. Um, we never go out and do stuff for the most part. But yeah, just please, you know, check in on people and be kind to people. And on with some more news. Um, the IOC decides that cross country, which World Athletics has been pushing to add to the 2024 Olympics, will not be added in 2024. Format would have been a mixed gender team relay. I really thought this was going to happen, and it's kind of unfortunate. And I just so seen that, like in Tokyo, they were going to have skateboarding, which, you know, I started skating in 73, so that was cool with skateboarding. They were going to have surfing, too, which just seemed kind of strange. There's a documentary on some young man trying to make the United States surfing team. So cross country was last Olympics a hundred years ago, earlier at the 1924 Olympics, also in Paris. So it would have been kind of nice. I really wish, I remember someone actually suggested putting cross country in the winter Olympics. And I think this would be an awesome idea because every winter Olympics, you know, they try and get people from countries that necessarily have winter Olympic sports and, you know, yeah, you know, so you'll see a Kenyan out there cross-country skiing or something. But I think it would be great. It would make the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, even more inclusive and have, like, a cross-country championship in the Olympics. I mean, the World Championships are usually run in February or March in pretty cool conditions. And even in high school, our big meets are in, you know, November, December. And, in fact, I'll be talking about one of the big meets just shortly. But, yeah, you watch that excellent documentary here on YouTube on the prep cal track about the 2019 cross country season you know and when they're running the finals and the nike finals in november or december it's you know muddy cold and wet so why not put cross country in the winter olympics i think it'd be a great idea speaking of weather podium runner put out a nice article says uh, if you live north of Georgia, you should be thinking about getting more vitamin D in your diet this time of year, even if you do go out in the sun regularly. And it's kind of got a cool, it'll be in the show notes, um, a map of people who need to take vitamin D supplements. 
And they've also talked about with COVID that vitamin D is helpful and getting outside, of course, is good for um, that type of thing to protect you from the COVID. And, of course, that would be of interest. Um, speaking of drugs and whatnot, um, Outside Magazine, which I often see has lots of good articles. I know a lot of people don't like them, but, hey, it says athletes need a way to silence the race day aches and pains without risky painkillers. And, you know, and this is a big thing in the ultra world. So many people are just popping pills left and right, you know, and taking, you know, just, you know, over-the-counter medications for pain, but then sometimes taking even more stuff. And I really think, you know what, you really should just deal with those things in a much different way. This article talks about ways you can do it without natural supplements. Um, you got cucurin, which is a turmeric root. This powder targets a number of inflammatory molecules and enzymes, all which contribute to pain. Um, some omega-3 oils uh, slow down the army of inflammation, inflammation causing chemicals in your body, which reduces discomfort and lessens swelling. Of course, you know, you could deal with the pain by, like, training properly and pacing properly. I've just been reading this Uphill Athlete book, and it's a lot of information I knew, but it's just dramatic at how much more power. It's like you get 36 ATP versus 3 ATP when you're doing aerobic training or aerobic racing versus anaerobic. So when you go out fast, you go into that anaerobic state and all of a sudden your energy sources go way down. And then, of course, this article does talk about marijuana. Legal cannabis may be useful after competition for treatment of pain because it's powerful anti-inflammatory effect or during training. And they've talked to some people I, I know take it during marathons, I mean ultras, you know, because it does deal, it helps deal with the pain and whatnot. I remember years ago seeing a really good piece on sports, you know, talking about the NFL where so many guys have so many aches and pains and how they're just doping them up with legal pharmaceuticals, painkillers and stuff. And yet they were banning pot marijuana in the league. But a lot of these athletes um, were taking marijuana to help with inflammation and some of the pain and things like that and thankfully now they are starting to change their ideas i know in the bubble at the nba this year they weren't testing for marijuana i think the nfl is not testing for marijuana and unbelievably even the federal government something passed through the house to make pot legal i myself hate smoking would never smoke um, i don't do drugs i've been straight age since 63 just for a lot of reasons probably my addictive personality I mean, every day I exercise for the past 40 years, and now i got to go out in the morning and the evenings. Um, but, you know, I have taken the CBD gummy bears, and I definitely can tell a difference. Supposedly, they don't have any THC in them. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm more for making everything legal and sorting things out. Other ways there are to do is mental tools suffer more so you can build tolerance. And that's definitely... You know, and also just, you know, there's all kinds of meditations and things and mantras. But, uh, yeah, you know, you want to get tough, just do things tough. I often talk to people, especially people who are doing, you know, hard races, all-day races and whatnot, and how, I mean, I get it because of social, you know, things with friends and family. You got to get up in the morning and train. Okay, you know, you do a little suffering by getting up in the morning cold, but you're not training in the heat of the day or in the afternoons or when the weather's bad and this, that. And you just got to build up that, you know, suffer more so you can build tolerance. And then, of course, this one I've really got to work on myself. Stay, stay mindful and then positive and stay in the present. That's my biggest problem I've had the past year or two is just, you know, just enjoying the moment and not thinking about the past, you know, or my expectations on myself and people have expectations or worrying about how, how I'm going to be received after the event. And then, of course, 
breathing. Deep breathing can help alleviate pain sensations because it helps relax the body, increase blood flow and oxygen to your muscles. So those are all things that you can do. Um, another article I saw recently, Molly Sheeran from uh, Outside Magazine talking about the Taramana runners have been relentlessly mythologized and exoticized since Born to Run. A new film takes a closer look at their true relationship with running and how the legacy of the book has impacted their community. She regards the barefoot running industry as an insult and attempt to profit off the misconception that Tarara run with minimal sandals because of alleged performance benefits rather than out of necessity. Running, on the other hand, is essential, though traditional Tarara races are collaborative efforts. And that was one thing I, I was reading something and I was really kind of cool. You know, the fixed races got to get all poo-pooed on and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's all about trails and we love trails. But when I was reading the article about the Taramara races and their foot races and they're like a team relay type of thing often, you know, they're kicking a ball or hitting a ball around and they're usually on, they're not going from like point A to point B. They're doing a two or three mile loop around and around for, you know, hours and hours and people in the village will jump in and do a lap or two with them. So it's a big community type of thing, much like the fixed races that I love the most, you know, where fixed races with, um, uh, you know, I like mile loops, two mile loops. The quarter mile loops are a little bit too much. I myself was very fortunate. Um, speaking of loop races, my friends Ken and Stephanie put on Beyond Limits Ultra Race up in, up in above the mountains in Palm Springs. But they tried and put on a uh, Red Rock uh, race, 50 mile or 100 mile in Vegas. And they invited me to go up there. I didn't run the race. I just was volunteering, uh, course marking and sweeping the race and all that kind of stuff. But what was great was up there for a few days, and they also invited a Tarim artist to come with them. And they had like a half a dozen guys come up from Mexico and spend a week with them training and hanging out. And um, they had actually had some companies, a lot of money, they've sent money down there to help support the people. And it was just very interesting that, yeah, they you know they want running shoes. In fact, Ken had a bunch of shoes in his closet. He's like, hey, you can use these. And they took all those shoes. And it was a very wonderful time to spend with them and find out their, uh, you know, how how things are really going. So, um, excuse me. And uh, speaking of like um, things in the past, twenty years ago, today the Foot Locker National Championships was going on, and um, Foot Locker National Championships is interesting. When I was in college, high school, I started running in nineteen seventy nine. Ran my first cross country season in um, nineteen eighty. No, 1979. Yeah, 1979, 1980. Well, the first year I ran cross country was the first year they had a Foot Locker Championships, but then it was called Kenny Prep. Kenny Prep was a shoe store. And my dad used to travel a lot, and he's like, we saw in the news or something and said, hey, Kent, there's a national qualifier, regional qualifier for a national championship. It was up in the Bay Area. So he said, hey, you want to go? And I remember having a decent cross country season, my first year running cross country, and I was, you know, broke 17. I wasn't fast in a 5k three mile and we went up there and we went someplace and Bakersfield's flat as a pancake went someplace that was super hilly and I got smoked I almost came in dead last and probably ran like the fastest race of my life so and then the following year I got to run at Woodward Park in 1980 um the that's where the California State Championship is but back then they didn't have state championships state championship didn't come into vogue until 1987 and I got smoked on that course well, anyways, 20 years ago, so Kenny Prep became Foot Locker. 20 years ago was an amazing um, race. In the boys' race, you had Dathan Ritzenheim, 1435, Alan Webb, 1455, American record holder in the mile, and Ryan Hall was 1459. Wow, one, two, three. Pretty amazing performance by all those guys. And then in the girls' race, 
I don't know the other two. It was, uh, but Bay was sixteen fifty five. She won it, and Anita Sariki and Laura Ziegel. And Bay is Sarah Hall, who has been just crushing half marathons and marathons lately, and will be running in the uh, upcoming race they're going to have in Arizona the, um, on December twentieth in Chandler, Arizona. We're going to have a world class field. Um, it's supposed to be on the primetime NBC networks. And you're going to have several people announcing Desi Linden, Bernard Lagat. And so that should be interesting to see. That's next December 20th, Chandler, Arizona. In fact, this tomorrow in Arizona, you'll be having the uh, Desert Solstice 24. Um, and then lastly, I saw this article. Um, I did a, a, a podcast video on Killian Jordan and his 24 uh, hour. Uh, record attempt it's interesting how so many of the people are saying oh well he didn't really say he was going for the record or this that or the other thing um it was interesting that one commentator that because they i asked you know why in the world they were doing it in norway and he just kind of said why not well i found out later that he did respond to all my as a comment in my on my youtube channel and said well you know killian lives in the area and we just that's mainly the reason we did it and that they checked out a 200 meter track but they just realized that was just going to drive people crazy. So there's a grid article. It says here, Killing Jornet is mortal. The mountain running superstar attempted a new record, and it didn't go so great. And, um, of course, you know, we all know the background of everything he's done. So this is kind of a little interview, and they asked uh, Killian how he was. He says, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Doctors didn't find anything wrong, but we will do some more tests to know what could have happened. Um, they asked him about his training, and he says... It's been a year of learning um, a lot about his body, and he's been doing some flat running. In fact, I saw him run a pretty a, a, a 10K where he broke 30, and it's kind of funny. He says, transitioning to flat running is not as easy as it looks. And that was kind of my main thing was you can be the greatest show runner in the world, but you come down onto a track, it's a whole other ball game. And, uh, and Killian says, at first, first I thought I'd just do the same amount of kilometers and hours that I did in mountains on a flat, but I soon realized this is a mistake. Suffer from injuries of the tibias and hip because three hours of running on a track are not the same as doing it in the mountains. I learned I had to reduce the number of hours I train every week versus what I do in mountain running. And this is completely true. And that's what I want to keep saying. And people just like want to argue with you. But, you know, when you're running on the like the bike paths or tracks or roads, you're running the whole time. When you're out trail running, you're not really running. You're migrating, you're hiking, you're running you're jumping you're doing all kinds of things so totally different kind of skill set and i often say that you know in a race you know give me a road runner versus a trail runner i'll take a road runner anytime because he's just tougher you know it's just harder training um killian also says he worked to reinforce some parts of his body so he ready to do the same movement over and over strides in the mountain running change due to train and also because it's uphill downhill but here it is it was the same all the time so i'll say to change this um they ask him about the mental toughness part of it. And Killian says, it, it wasn't that hard, the hardest part, honestly. He'd already done 24 hours on skis last year and done some long challenges. So it isn't the hardest part for me. It's true that it's hard to face the long hours of the night. But during the years, I've learned a lot about this. And yeah, I mean, that's one thing I kind of think. And, you know, he's never experienced. 24 hours on a loop course is a totally different thing than doing a trail 100. And, of course, Killian, when he's doing 100-milers in the mountains, 13, 14 hours. Hell, even Hard Rock, which is one of the hardest races, he maybe's only out there for 24 hours. Um, I asked him if he learned any other lessons. And... He says that, you know, he enjoys doing new projects. 
He says he's been trying to learn more on nutrition and working with someone, and he's been trying to uh, figure out that whole game, which we always are trying to do. Um, what made you decide to attempt the 24-hour record? He says, I am a person that doesn't like to do the same thing over and over. I like versatility. I also like new challenges and to try things I don't even know if I will be able to do. I have been meaning to run on flat for a while, so I decided to give it a go. And, of course, they ask him, will you try again? He says, hopefully, but I first need to rest a few days. And uh, what's next for you in 2021? And like all of us say, you know, with COVID, it's hard to plan. But he definitely says he's going to be, be a lot of mountains. And him saying there's going to be a lot of mountains in 2021, I don't think you'll be seeing him attempting any 24-hour uh, track record anytime soon, if ever. So this was the Andy Noise Experience. And this was Endurance News Daily. And have a good day. And as always, be safe, stay boring, and not epic.